Hello everyone and welcome to the Uninformed Handball Hour. It's Chris O'Reilly here and although we're in the summer now, well and truly, there's still plenty of handball to talk about. We've got the Champions League draw for next season. We've got World Championship qualifiers, World Championship wildcards, wildcards everywhere, transfers and all that. It's coming next week though, as we'll bring back the full crew for indoor chat next week because we're going to chat a little more beach handball today to talk the end of the World Championship last Sunday and everything that happened in Greece. Once again, we have the one and only Dr. Beach Handball, Marcio Menino. Marcio, how are you? Hey, Chris, I'm good. Hey, everybody. Thank you for having me once again. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you. And uh, well, no better man to talk beach handball. We spoke last week after the first day of action. Already a lot had happened then, but over the next five days, plenty of uh, interesting results along the way. We have two champions at the end of it. Germany in the women's competition, Croatia in the men's competition. Which one do you want to start with? Uh, definitely Germany. Okay, Germany. Because <laughs> we know them like... We know them, we have them in the show in the Bulgaria, and it's really fun to watch them coming from uh, we don't know what's happening to, oh my God, we're world champions. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely the case yesterday, I think, in that final. Um, I mean, Germany had just been so brilliant throughout the entire competition. I didn't see every single one of the games, but every game I saw them play, they won it two sets to nil. And let me just confirm if that it was the case, right? Every single game, nine matches over six days, they won two sets to nil. And that is just phenomenal. That's a, a undefeated championship right there. Something that probably happens like 0.01% at any competition whatsoever. Like one team going to the final with just two zero wins. Uh, I think that's uh, a case for the the records of history, you know. Like, yeah, I don't think that it will happen ever again. Or they were pretty dominant at the European Championship last year, but nothing in comparison to how they've been this time. And you know, we for those of you who don't follow too much beach handball, uh, listening to the podcast here, two sets to nil is something that every team obviously strives for when they're the favorites in a game because beach handball can be so tricky in that sense because it goes back to 0-0 at the start of the second set and all your good work from the first set doesn't count for anything unless you get the job done in the second set otherwise you go to a shootout and then anything can happen so that that threat of the shootout is what makes beach handball at times so unpredictable so germany going all the way 2-0 the whole way not having to face one shootout really says a lot for how dominant they were Overall, we spoke about it last week with their victory over Brazil. And, well, in the final against Spain, though, it was not dominant. That's for sure. <laughs> Close. <laughs> you could say that luck favors the 
favors those who risk, you know, those who, who really fight for it. And, and I think that uh, in that moment, uh, in those two sets that they won by golden goal, it was something like that. Because one of the golden goals was actually the goalkeeper from Germany saving a shot from Spain and giving a chance to her team to get that part. Well, that was it. That was that, that first set. And I wrote to you saying, this is absolute chaos because uh, at, at first, both attacks who are usually so good really just weren't finding finding anything. I think it was, you know, 4-4 four, four after <laughs> four or five minutes of that first set. Then it started to pick up a little bit. But uh, you have to give a lot of credit as well to the, the two goalkeepers, uh, Katharina Filter uh, from Germany and um you're going to be able to pronounce the spanish goalkeeper's name uh is it patricia encina uh who's the uh spanish keeper yeah uh encinas encinas guardado yeah yeah encinas encinas and both of them were brilliant both defenses really good as well and yeah went down to that golden goal Germany with an attacker foul first and then the save from the Spanish attack so usually when you when you win the ball in the tip off for the golden goal it's like okay we've won it but there both teams had a chance before Germany finally put it away sometimes people forget that you always attack with advantage you're always four against three if you do not score one goal one single goal like they do in indoor First of all, probably great effort from defense and goalkeeper, or in this case was a attacking foul, like you said. So defense was really, really into it, you know. But it's always four against three. It has to be an extreme effort from the defense to make you do a mistake. We're not talking about interception or a block or a save from the goalkeeper. It's actually an attacking foul, a forced error. So array for spain you know like they did their job but then they couldn't do it in, in the attack that was unfortunate for them yeah uh, so losing that first set 15 14 second set though much much better um both teams getting into the 20s but it looked like germany had won the the set clearly there were four points up with a minute left to play and they had the ball in their hands and they give the ball away twice all of a sudden you know, maybe a little bit of the youth uh, coming into it. And um, <laughs> I got a message there from um, Lucy Marie Kretschmar talking about that final and uh, talking about how chaotic it was. And she was like, yeah, that was a bit too much chaos for my little heart to take. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so it was. Uh, and Germany almost blowing it again, you know, having uh, having that four point lead and the possession, giving the ball away twice, uh, and in the end had to had to go to the golden goal or the golden point yet again. Yeah, true. I cannot imagine. Like, I would love to see Alex's face, the coach from Germany, just tripping from those two <laughs> from those two balls. You you probably went ballistic. You went like, "Oh my god, this is not happening." <laughs> but yeah, it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a great it's a great effort. A great. Uh, by by Germany, they they did amazing in the, the entire tournament, and unfortunately for Spain, I was a uh, I, uh, I have as you know I have a lot of friends in both teams, uh, especially in Spain because they're my neighbors, yeah. and usually we, we make fun of it. But uh, yeah, 
but at least they got some, uh, you know, some um, individual awards, you know. Silver medal is not too bad, although some people say it's the last, you know. And but silver medal, some uh, individual individual awards. They did great. They did they did a growing performance during the entire world championship. Like, okay, they lost like a couple of times with other teams, but they grew in the tournament and they reached the final and nobody was thinking about it. You know, like I don't think a lot of people were betting on Spain on women's side to get to the final. That is true. And so fair play to them. And also for pushing the champions so close as well. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, it didn't go to a shootout, but you can't ask for much more than, you know, losing both sets in a, a golden point. So uh, heartbreaking stuff, but yeah, fair play to them. Uh, and bronze going to the Netherlands, who had a bit of a, a shock result in the quarterfinals, beating Denmark in a brilliant quarterfinal, winning that one in a shootout. Then, naturally enough, losing to, to Germany in the end, fairly straightforward in the semifinals, but they bounced back to beat the former world champions and the host, Greece. Netherlands had like this uh, up and down to up and down tournament, you know, like there are a lot of teams that they can really smash because of the the way the tempo they use uh, the speed that they use in the game and then there's the, those other more cunning teams that actually know how to work that speed and uh, use it against the Netherlands and it was, was kind of like this their tournament was somewhat like that but they got the bronze and it's amazing for them and it's really good because they they probably go to the to the world games you know and uh, yeah it's well deserved prize for for Netherlands seeing indoor growing and also now in the in the beach handball this growth from them great love to see that and uh, a final word on the women's side for the for Portugal on their debut you know them very well. One of the teams that came closest to getting a set against Germany, they lost the second set in the quarterfinals, 10-8, in a really low-scoring one. Uh, finishing in the top eight in their first attempt, really good going. It's true. I, I think it's for us, it's, um, it's a great achievement. First time we go to the World Championship and we get on top eight of the, the best teams in the world. Uh, like I told you, Chris, and I told before, uh, I think Portugal has enough team to win at least one set against any team. And we won against Denmark. That's one of the examples that we can give. Yeah. Almost one is against Germany, like you said, 10-8. It's, it's true that uh, we kind of probably we lack some off offensive, we know, you know, because some of the teams have like really tall players and it's kind of hard for us. We always have to go for spin shot or try to have our specialists going in a four line against the, to occupy that, that open space. Uh, but the truth is, although our defense is not very tall, I, I love they I don't know if they love the expression but they use it a lot we have this uh hound dogs you know mm. for hunting and it's lovely lovely to see them hunt the attackers you know they are tireless they do not get tired and it's amazing to watch them for 20 minutes just beating that attack going for interceptions stealing balls you know stuff like this because usually we go for more like blocks and uh, trying to you know go through the open space but here we're seeing like an, a really aggressive defense trying everything to stop you from passing to stop you from shooting to stop you from doing anything and it's uh yeah i think it's it's one of the things that for, for this team we can work on that and then uh, just make it even more powerful than it is and then just 
grow on the attack because we need a, a little more of a offensive power. And uh, yeah, and then maybe we can go for uh, some medals, you know, in the future. Who knows? Well, that's, I think, a positive start, as you said, for them at the world level. Uh, you mentioned some of the individual awards as well. Just running through those quickly, the all-star team for the women's competition. The goalkeeper was Spain's Patricia Encinas. Uh, the right wing was Emilia Mullmann from Germany, who was fantastic. Their uh, main scoring threat. Uh, Natafini Dimitri from Greece was the best left wing. The specialist from Argentina, which is great as well, also a top eight finisher, uh, Lucila Candela. Uh, Asun Batista, who many beach handball people would know very well, the best line player from Spain. Uh, Rihanna Moll from the Netherlands, the best defender. Congratulations to Rihanna and Asun Batista, the MVP as well of the entire competition. Uh, Hungary got the fair play award, which was nice for them. And what was otherwise, I think, uh, a tournament they won't be happy with. They they finished outside of the, the quarterfinals. Yeah, uh, they were knocked out in the first round. That that group of death we talked about uh, last week, they, they were the team to, to be eliminated from that. And finally, the top goal scorer uh, from the USA, one for the US listeners we have, Christine Mansour. Well done. Well done, Christine. Well done. It's great to see like either you, some US there and also some uh, North America there. And like you said, Hungary is not probably was not the the tournament for them. They need they're they're renewing their team now with some youngsters coming from uh, that they were world champ, uh, European champions in 2019 in Montenegro. Some of them already, like the goalkeeper uh, Afra. And stuff of that. So they're not now renewing their national team, and probably they were lacking some connection between them. So yeah, and like I said, group of that we we talked about it, and it was like really tough for them. But uh, hey, for Christine, you know, she's uh, she usually very uh, she likes to hang out and uh, know more about beach handball. And uh, definitely, I saw their first match, and then I sent a message and I said, uh, "Your coach needs to put you on line player, not on the right wing. You won't do anything on the right wing." Just play line, and uh, and she wrote said I think she's now understanding that, and yeah, <laughs> top scorer. Coach Marcio Menino in action again. <laughs> well, there you go, work the treat, and I, so you've seen her in EBT action over the last uh, last couple of months, right? Yeah, yeah, she was in DBT. Although in the EBT, like she had this. Uh, she went to practice with uh, some uh, of her national team players, three or four for this Italian team. Not the best Italian team, you know, kind of lacking on uh, all around anything, everything, you know. Uh, but at least they, they, they managed to do something. And uh, I think they, they managed to perform what they wanted, which was like physical practice and also some tactical one between them and uh, with the coach trying to learn also some uh, European style of uh, tactics and stuff. So it was good. It was good. I, maybe next month they, they get more more competition. Absolutely. At the, the World Games in Alabama. So that's plenty on the women's side. How we go on to the men. And you said earlier there about, let's say, the onus on teams attacking to score. That basically... You know, when you're 4v3, four, four that you need to find a way to score. On the men's final, that was definitely the case Definitely the case for every single second of that game, I thought, between Croatia and Denmark, where it felt like every single attack, there was this 
overwhelming pressure to score because if you don't, the other team is not going to miss and you're going to lose the set. That's how it felt. It's it's always like that when you go when you reach this top level of two great teams, they went against each other in the Euro, as you remember, and it was really a really intense match at the time. And now at the World Championship, they do it again, and it's really if if people want to see what beach handball is and how intense it can be, and now suspense can like be on top for twenty minutes. They should watch kind of matches like this. It's it's definitely something that should be embraced by every beach handball lover. Just watch it, enjoy it, and cheer for whatever you want. But cheer for beach handball because that's it. Both teams were amazing in this in this final. Yeah, and so in very different ways as well. The feeling I got during the game was, and in the end, Croatia won two sets to nil, winning twenty four twenty two in the first set, twenty one eighteen in the second set. And Croatia were just scoring that little with a little bit more ease. You know, they were finding the finding the passes a little bit more easy. Whereas uh, Martin Vilstrup in the center of the Danish attack, who is so good at making things work for the team, he really had to work hard. Like he was going everywhere in the court trying to create these little gaps. And and the Croatian defense were were fantastic in cutting it down and making them work hard. And they had their chances, Denmark. Um, uh, unfortunately, uh, just couldn't get enough stops at the other end of the court, whereas Croatia's goalkeeper had a, uh, a brilliant game that was Dominic Markovic. And then Nikola Finek, uh, Lucien Bura, and Ivan Dumencic, who's uh, one of the old boys in the team, they just couldn't stop scoring. The three of them scored every single point except for one two-pointer, and yeah, it was a it was a real real lesson in how to win a final from a team that has played in so many finals. Even though there's new players in the team, there is that like generational knowledge in the Croatian team. You know, you know, Chris, uh, I talked with Yuta for a few times. And I saw him uh, how they work before matches, like the day before they go and analyze videos, and uh, they go and analyze the strategy, the tactics. And usually they work from defense to attack, not from attack from defense. They don't they don't care too much about the attack. They know where to go, you know, but they care a lot for defense because they know that if they can manage to stop at least one, then they can take time and they, they can take their time, as you said, with some calm, some tranquility to find the gap that they need to score. So that's why they always focus a lot on, on defense and of course with you in, in your team. Uh, defense is uh, something that is going to be really pumped up, and uh, but it, like you said, like three guys scored this amount of, of this huge amount of goals for this, and uh, it was it was a two zero, yeah, it was a two zero, but definitely a really short two zero, like for oh, two yeah. points only, twenty four twenty two first set, twenty eight twenty one eighteen, that clinical one goal uh, in the last minute just to close. You know, just to stop them from uh, from getting the the draw. Uh, but if you go and analyze the the shot efficiency, you can see that Croatia was really, really efficient, especially in a in a specialist. Specialist was a hundred percent. Specialist scored all the goals that he shot. Although in Denmark we have sixty percent, and in flight, which Denmark usually is very strong, 
very strong. You know, you remember that uh, European where the playmaker just, you know, throwing balls, guided balls, always like a, almost like a basketball player. And this time he wasn't around, so he couldn't like be throwing basketball, basketball shots to, to his teammates, to the left wing and to Simon, Simon Moss. So you, you have this in-flight shot efficiency of 46% because the Croatians knew that if they stopped the in-flight, they would be able to counter and have like their win. And that's what it, they did. Like They don't care too much about the spin shot. Usually only Lucian goes for spin shot or the line player when, it, when it's uh, you know, a second rebound, when it's a rebound, when they cannot attempt the in-flight shot. And uh, yeah... It, it it is it is a masterclass of defense going up against Denmark. This Denmark, and like you said, Vilstrup was like running all the court, and you know, for people that run in the sand during these games, just three meters running to substitution <laughs> is already a big effort. Can you imagine going around the entire court, find trying to find your teammates to give them the, the assists for them to score, and then getting out? running again so they can substitute so i imagine that vilstrup just not died but kind of like collapsed after this game yeah i mean that's that's a really good point about you know not having uh joachim trend is the the player who uh you were talking about there the playmaker who has his own special style of like two-handed drops into the into the line into simon uh simon muss uh, also didn't have Martin Vilstrup's brother, Ronnie, in defense because he got a direct red card in the semifinal against Brazil. So that's a that's a real loss for them. And all things considered, you have to say they 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 did very well. Of course, they would have been devastated to lose that final. But uh, when you consider what they've, uh, you know, what they managed to get there and missing the players they have, uh, they'll feel like maybe a world title at the World Games next month is uh, still within their reach. And, and another thing, another thing, Chris, is that uh, Croatia didn't didn't participate. N- no Croatian club participated in the EBT finals. They spent one month practicing for this world championship. So uh, winning the gold is kind of like, well, we prepare for this. Imagine if they didn't win, probably. They would, oh my God, we spent so much time working for it and then didn't get, get squats. But uh, yeah, and uh, Denmark was uh, doing uh, something like the opposite. Both teams that won World Championship actually didn't participate in the finals. Both teams spent more time of training uh, together than uh, going for uh, a club's uh, international competition. So that can mean something or mean nothing. We don't have enough enough tests <laughs> for that. <laughs> so doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. So. Uh, a couple of other teams you talked about uh, last week. USA was one of them. They missed out in the quarterfinals with uh, what was a bit of a, a disastrous day and a half for them because they, they finished their preliminary round group pretty well, uh, finishing in second place, but then lost a shootout against Uruguay, which really uh, set them on a path then uh, to miss the quarterfinals because then l- losing to Croatia in the end two really close sets again and then losing to Spain in uh, in the final game in the group that meant they just missed out in the end turned out to be a very uh, very tough group in there Uruguay doing incredibly well <laughs> also they kind of came out of not out of nowhere but you know getting to the quarterfinals like that they were unlucky to come up against Denmark 
in the quarterfinals. Uh, Greece, who, as we said, looked pumped up and looked like a different team this time around. They ended up getting to the semifinals as well, but lost to Brazil in the bronze medal game. And uh, New Zealand, who we have to say congratulations to them, not picking up just their first victory, but picking up two victories as well. They beat uh, Puerto Rico, first of all, in the uh, the consolation round, and then beating Egypt as well in the uh, in the placement matches, which I think is very impressive. Which they lost, which they lost in the main round against. Yeah. So they losing. It's just so everybody, all the listeners here understand that like sometimes you may win, but that doesn't mean that you're going to win the next game. And as you can see, New Zealand lost 2-0 against Egypt in the main round, but then in the consolation round, they won. So, hey, uh, they, they were involved. for New Zealand. There you go. They were involved in a very uh, interesting game, really fun game to watch against the USA as well, which they lost by a single point in the shootout. So, yeah, good stuff from them. And uh, just looking at the... You know, the top scorers here, Paul Ireland. We have to give him a shout out because <laughs> of his name. <laughs> and also, um, we had his brother Luke on the podcast earlier this season because he was playing for Sydney at the uh, at the Super Globe. So Paul Ireland, uh, fourth top scorer in the competition with 135 points. Other names in the... It's really good. It's really good. And he he's a brilliant young player. Someone who played out on the left wing and on the line as well. A really good spin shooter. And another team, we said, uh, I did say they were going to win a game. I didn't think they'd win two games this week, but they managed it. And uh, full of confidence for them going to the World Games next month in the USA. In uh, what is a real dive into the deep end for a team that hadn't played an international match for two years before that. And uh, But here they are, they're doing their thing. And it's uh, it's amazing to see. It will be fun for them and also for us, you know. It's it's a very enjoyable uh, type of match. Yeah, and then they they have this cultural thing about the with, with the haka as well. Yeah, the haka also. Yeah, gotta say, you know, New Zealand teams doing the haka in handball uh, has, I think, drawn mixed reactions over the years. But those group of men doing it, like that, is a real fitting haka. They they belong at this level. Let's just say, in terms of the, uh, the body size, their athleticism. They, I think, have uh, have given uh, people a few surprises this week, which is good to see. And um, hopefully that, uh, alongside what Australia men and women have done over the years as well, is a, is a good sign for beach handball in the region. Awards then. Goalkeeper was Seaman Sire from Denmark. Uh, best right wing was Lucien Bura, who was also the top scorer. And the MVP. <laughs> uh, he's, yeah, he's uh, a real, well, not even a rising star anymore. He's just a star for the team. Now, it, it is, and it is amazing how he, he grew when he had some weakness, you know, uh, some, uh, some stuff in his game was not very strong, very kind of weak, but he was able to, you know, overcome that and now just like almost an unstoppable player, you know. Left wing. Georgios Eleftriadis from Greece. Martin Vilstrup, the best specialist. Best pivot. Gil Perez, the man who... Gil, Gil Perez. Gil Perez. Gil Perez is uh, just an evergreen 
man i don't know how how long how old is he who knows who cares like he just seems to keep going yeah he's just older than me and you so that's what you need to know that's for yeah <laughs> that's all that matters well all that matters is he can keep playing and he can keep playing well best line player in the whole competition uh Jeppe willemsen best defender from denmark as I mentioned before, Lucien Bura, the MVP, and Norway getting the Fair Play Award. Uh, also a quarterfinal spot for them. They were pretty impressive, um, but ended up finishing in eighth. A bit of a fall off for them uh, as the tournament went on, but still uh, not a bad result whatsoever. I think Norway now probably hates Portugal like really, really hard because we beat them tw- twice when it mattered. <laughs> One in the Euro, and now in the World Championship. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they're probably like looking at us like, dudes, we're going to smash it next time. <laughs> so we, we need to be careful now. We need to be careful. Yeah. And, uh, and what do you think about Portugal? 10th place on the men's side? Yeah. You know, as a Portuguese, I wanted more. For the first time, it's not bad. But uh, I realized that when I was watching the games and stuff, I was like, no. We play so much better than this. We we just didn't. We, we weren't able to perform more or keep calm where we needed. You know those small details during the game that you need really like to stop and think what you're doing. And we weren't we weren't able to do that. Unfortunately, yeah, uh, we need to uh, lack like think about this. Uh, I did some uh, some talks, and I have no problem with talking with the national coach about this because we usually talk almost every week or so. Uh, definitely, there's need to there needs a, a change in the in the handball federation that our calendars, our competition calendars, need to finish at the latest 30 of May. We need to like end 30 of May and uh, allow the players to get out of indoor. And start practicing uh, beach handball, so we can have better performances, so we can do better in international competitions. We were, st- we are still having games <laughs> in the middle of June. You know, uh, Simon Santos, the the line player for Portugal, he had to skip one day of uh, of the the days with the national team to do one game. Yeah. yeah to do one indoor game and then go back again to do to the to the sand and uh, i think this is something that we need to change we need to allow players to do indoor and also beach especially in the first division as there are players from uh, even from the youngsters like u18 that benfica porto and sporting do not allow them to play beach handball which doesn't make sense whatsoever um yeah we need to do some changes and it's not three days or four days that you're going to build the team uh you need more time as and as you can see with croatia and germany they spend more than two weeks together you know practicing like getting everything all the tactics all the mechanics uh, seeing what which what which player can do what he cannot you know stuff like this and it's not three days you're not, not going to accomplish anything with three days but you at least at least two weeks together so you can have a proper preparation for a world championship or a european championship well spoken and you know also when you you see young players portuguese players like the costa brothers like uh, martin and kiko who have have spoken about how important beach handball is to them as players and how much it helps them uh they need to and it's not just a portuguese issue but you think in portugal also the way that they uh that beach handball is so fitting for the country that uh there should be a bit more balance in there yeah 
it's, it, it's just easy for us. Like all of us, we're at least maximum 20 kilometers from the from the beach, which is <laughs> which is nothing. You, you can go there for like in 20 minutes, half an hour you're there, you do two hours of practice and you come back home. That's it. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, like you said, Kiko and Martin, we are, which were amazing uh, before when when they were not playing in sporting, they were amazing in the youngsters. They played in the European, in uh, in Poland and stuff like this. And they would be a great help for the national team in the beach handball. I don't think that both of them would be able to go, but at least one of them would be, you know, something that could help the team. And uh, yeah, uh, unfortunately, it's it's not it's not possible, but we'll see in the future. We'll see in the future. I think we can wrap it up there for today on our beach handball chat. Marcio, uh, joy as always. We got a good... Uh, 30 minutes of chat there about the world championship uh, thanks for joining us and uh, maybe we'll get you on again for the the world games in a couple of weeks time yeah it will be Let's awesome keep. and don't forget chris you can use that phrase that i gave you <laughs> <laughs> and i think you're gonna have to use it now marcio you seeing as you're on the pod here no okay i'll use it okay, okay. beach handball is very simple it's four against three and in the end germany wins there you go Simple as that. Is that something we're actually going to come back to to fear in the future years with this incredibly young German team winning everything? Uh, time will tell. Alex was saying Germany's back, so who knows? There you go. Good stuff, Marcio. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. See you later. <laughs> <laughs>